Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we thank you for the songs we've sang today and what they mean to us and the hope they express. We thank you, Father, that uh, uh, you've blessed us in a way that we could be a blessing to the world, and I thank you for the way this church responded to that call and the kids that will be fed this year because of it. Let Let your name be glorified. And Father, we just praise you today that in every hour of our life, good and bad, we can praise you because the enemy has no grip on us. Uh, Fathers, we walk through this fallen world. We walk with great hope because of a risen Savior. Touch us today and be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. As Easter approaches, I I want us to start thinking about why Jesus went to the cross. You hear so many things today, but why? I want you to ask yourself, why did Jesus go to the cross? I I encourage you to pray about uh, this during the week and to think about this thought. If there are many ways to heaven, if there are many ways to get there, all faiths are just a different way to get there. Why did Jesus have to suffer and die on the cross? When Jesus was in the garden on the very last night and he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, can I say it again? If there's any other way, take this cup from me. Why didn't the Father say, it's okay, there are many other ways. It's okay, there are many other ways. You don't have to do this. But he didn't say that. He said, no. This is the way. The book of Hebrews was originally written to Hebrew Christians, people coming out of the Old Testament covenant and into the New Testament covenant. This was a a tough transition in faith and a tough transition in understanding and their responsibilities, how they were supposed to live life. We're going to explore that more and more in the next uh, weeks ahead as we come towards Easter. Before we get to the passage that we're looking at today, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talks to us about the superiority of Christ. The superiority of Christ Jesus as he lived his life. The superiority of his teaching. The superiority of the covenant the new covenant that we have in Jesus, the new agreement with with God that we have, the superiority of the death and the resurrection of Jesus over all the traditions and all of the other statements of the law that were there. The Holy Spirit then takes us and shows us as as we go through these passages how this new covenant this superior idea and the superior revelation of God, how it should impact our lives. We are told that we are to encourage one another on the earth. 
This is why we do things like C2 groups. It's why we have various departmental ministries. It's why we encourage you to build relationship because we should be encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day of Christ, the day of God approaching. We are reminded that there are rewards for faithfulness. If you are faithful to the things of God, if you are faithful to the direction of God, we are reminded that that will not be forgotten, but as we stand before God, we will be rewarded in this world that would take our attention to many other things. We'll be rewarded someday for faithfulness. And we are shown the life of faith. He shows us the life of faith by showing us people of faith in the past. That's what chapter 11 of Hebrews is all about, if you take time today and read it. People in the past who have been faithful. And then he comes to this pivotal word, therefore, where we turn to see what that means to us. And the writer begins to point out to us what matters in life. And that's what I want to challenge you to think about. To consider today what really matters. We've all witnessed people who are upset or focused on things that really didn't matter. Maybe you've come to recognize in your life sometimes when you've been upset about things or things have been going on in your life and you've gone, a little bit later, that, that really didn't matter that much. I got a little too worked up over that. When my son, who's uh, now, you know, 23 years old, was four or five, uh, we would be out to eat many times, and he would get a, a kid's meal, and so many times with whatever kid's meal they would bring out, they would bring a bunch of french fries. And I'd be trying to eat something healthy, you know, because that's my nature. <clears throat> but I'd look at those french fries, those french fries look pretty good. And I would understand there's no way he's going to eat all of those french fries. So I would reach across the table, and I would help myself to one of his french fries. Dads, have you ever been there? And you would have thought I had just touched him with a white hot pot, white hot pot poker. I mean, he would be just, what are you doing? And I'd say, Michael, Michael, calm down. You're not going to eat all of those anyway, but he wasn't buying that line at all. A little while later, and later he would be done eating, and there would still be fries sitting on his plate. And I would say, Michael, look at the fries that are left. Aren't you going to eat those? No, I'm not dead. I'm full. Well, see, you know, me, me taking one earlier really didn't matter. Have you ever been there? Really, it really didn't matter. And then I would, I would say something to me that I would pay the price for many, many times years later. I would say to him, now, if you had eaten all of those and you were still hungry, I would get you more. I would be reminded of that as he became a teenager. <laughs> that statement would come back to bite me many times. Some people go through life worked up about things, upset about things focused on things that really don't matter. Things they should let go. Words or actions. I would challenge you to let the Lord speak to you about that. 
Some dream dreams and focus attention on things that really don't matter. And at the end of that segment of their life, they look back and they see the trappings of wasted time and wasted energy and wasted life because they focused time and effort on things that didn't matter instead of focusing time and effort on things that do matter. We need to be aware of this. We need to let, let, our, let our efforts be filled with those things that matter. So I would encourage you that, that, that when you take this, when you have your appointment with God, that you take all the stuff in your life, when you take that daily meeting with God, you take that time every day and you say, God, where am I spending my time at today? What's important? What really matters? What really counts? Let God speak to you about that. Your life is being spent every day. Every night when you put your head on the pillow, you've spent a day. It's in the past. It's behind you. You're not getting it back. Did you waste that time? Or did you spend it on what mattered? The writer of Hebrews brings us to this point of showing us men and women of faith and saying to us, let them be an example to you. And he says, and as we go to chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people who spent their life wisely, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're told to lay aside certain things. One of the things we're told to lay aside is sin. This is living life our way, doing things our way instead of God's way. And, and I want to tell you, we, we get so casual, we get so accustomed to how we live life ourselves that we can miss the fact that the underlying motive, the underlying action itself is our way instead of God's way, is motivated by our desires instead of righteous desires. These are things that in the moment we think we have it right, but these are actions of sin that destroy our ability to do the work of God, that let our lives be seen as greedy or, as, or filled with hypocrisy, and we're lost. And I want to warn you, some of them can be so, so common in our life, so natural with the way that we've lived, so embedded in the way we've lived our life that we miss that we're living our way instead of God's way. This is, again, why our daily appointment with God is so important to us, where we take time, where we allow him. Not only do we bring our supplications and our requests to him, but we come to him and we ask him to reveal himself to us, to speak to us, to speak to us about our lives. And we recognize his greatness in our life. But listen. It's not only sin. We, we get that, don't we? 
I hope we get that, even though we have to be cautious and really weigh it out. But it says, lay aside every weight. In fact, it says that first. Lay aside every weight. Anything. Anything that holds us back from being used of God and living our life for God and God and faithfulness to God the way that we should. That doesn't have to be sin. That can be a habit. That can be a dream. That can be a pursuit. It drags us down from what we were meant to be for our course in the race. It keeps us out of our place in the race and from doing what matters. And it leads us to a wasted life. There are many signs of a wasted life. And so I encourage you today. I encourage you today. Our eyes need to be fixed on the right things. So pray about the weights of life. Jesus is our example. And he's in our example, listen to what it says about him. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. He looked past the instant. He looked past the momentary pleasure and simplicity of life. He looked past all the things that were about to happen to him. He was about to be punched in the face with a crown of thorns pressed down upon his head, humiliated in nakedness before the crowd, stretched out and whipped, tearing the flesh from his body, carrying the cross on the road to Golgotha where the, where the nails would pierce the hand and the feet where he would suffer in thirst and in pain until he would die. Jesus endured the shame. He endured the pain because he saw past the momentary challenge of his journey on this earth. He saw past the momentary rejection of this world and he saw the joy of heaven and the joy of being able to take you there if you want to go. Luke 19.10, it tells us so clearly, Jesus says it so clearly, why he came to this earth. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Who are the lost? These are people who, who have never asked, who've never submitted to his lordship in their life, who've never put their faith in him to be their savior. They're living life their own way. They're trying to figure it out their own way. They're living by their own set of rules. They've ignored him. They're lost and they don't even know it. Jesus went to the cross for them, for you, for me. And he went there because there was no other way for men to stand before God clean. No other way than for the perfect one, the one who was perfect, the author of our faith, 
to give his life for you and for me so that we by faith could trust him to be the salvation of our life and heaven could be our home. Will we give our lives to what matters? Or will we stand before God with the trappings of a wasted life? Will you let him do his work in you? Will you let him use you to help others? Will you know our times and learn how to fight in our times for the souls of lost men and women the way a Christian should fight for them? A few weeks ago, so many of you got it. One day to feed the world. You laid a little bit down, one day of your earnings down to feed the world over $50,000. Over 400 children will be fed every day this year, all in the name of Jesus. I think that's a good thing. Amen. So many of you, even with that offering, stepped up and said, I'm going to give something, I'm going to listen to what God says to me, says to me and I'm going to obey him, and he's, God has blessed me, and I'm going to use that to bless others. You brought a faith promise. You said, I'm going to give this this year by faith. I'm not going to waste this money on something else. I'm going to use it to expand the kingdom of God. And I tell you, we gave you a faith promise card when you came in today. If you haven't filled it out, you can do that today and drop it in that black box out there, and that will help us plan to help missionaries around the world. So many of you give to the church each week. You bring, you bring your tithe and offering in and obedience to God to help the ministries move forward, and so many of the things happen that we do to minister to people in our community because of you. So many of you give time and talent in ministries to bless others. You work in children's departments and youth departments and you pour your life into kids and into teenagers. You pour your life into, into being in a choir, to being in so many of our ministries or overseeing a small group. You're making sure that you're using your life to encourage others and to bless others. You get it. So many of you study the Word and come to classes. You make your appointment with God and you come to prayer times because you understand these things change my life and they change others' lives as I follow after the fullness of God. The flesh calls, but there is a day coming that if we endure and we obey God, it will be worth it all. Now, let me be a pastor to you today. Look around just a little bit. Do you see any empty seats? Why do you think God gave us those chairs? Do you think he gave us those chairs so you can put your coat and your purse on them? Because I'm going to give them so many chairs, and I'm going to give them some to put their coats and purses on. Do you think that's why he gave them to Or do you think God gave them to us to fill them up? to put the one thing that matters, eternal souls, in those chairs. Now, we think about that, and I, th I think the natural answer for any of us who've been a Christian for very long would be, I think God wants people sitting in those chairs. Think I'm right? You can debate with me later if you want to. You'll be wrong, but that's okay. 
How do you think God wants to fill those chairs? Do you think he's really, he really, you know, what's going to happen is I'm going to, you know, birth my church and I'm going to let this thing called the internet be discovered and we're going to use social media to fill all the chairs. I think that's what God really thinks. We're going to use, we're going to advertise on radio and we're going to advertise this way and that way and we're going to fill those chairs. Listen, you know me, I'm not opposed to any of those things. I mean, by every means possible, let us preach the gospel. Amen? But I want to tell you, God's primary plan to reach people is you and me. So let me ask you a question. Is there anyone in this room today, besides your spouse and your kids, that wouldn't be here without your influence. Is there somebody sitting in a chair around this room someplace today? That if it wasn't for you, they wouldn't be here. Is there anyone, uh, you know, in, in any chair, in any church, anywhere in America today, this morning, that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you? If there is, I bet you'd like to have more people like that. And if there isn't, isn't it time to change that? I mean, friends, when you think about eternity, what matters more than our friends and our relatives that don't have the hope of Jesus Christ in their life? So, are you willing to endure the nerves? Are you willing to face maybe temporary rejection? Are you willing to overcome your fear? Are you willing to look past the moment for the sake of the lost? I want to challenge you today in your appointment with God to add four very simple prayers to it. When you go and get along with God, and I hope every one of you is doing that every day, taking 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever your endurance can stand at this point in time, it will grow. Then I'm going to ask you to ask, answer, ask four more prayers. Here's the first one. Lord, give me three names for Easter. Three people that you want me to fill a chair with on Easter Sunday. Now maybe some names are already popping into your mind. And you can write them down on that piece on, on, on the notes right now. Maybe you've got to pray about that for a little while. Here's a second prayer. Lord, prepare their hearts to hear your word. Every day. Lord, I've got these names. I'm asking you to prepare their hearts. Prepare them for, for, to hear the word. Prepare them to want to come, get their hearts ready for Easter, start speaking to them, start bringing things into their life, start making a way in their life. Just make this happen. God, I'm just asking you to silence the enemy and to begin to speak into their life. Number three, Lord, prepare my heart 
to invite and share the word. Help me get over my fears. Help me get over my insecurities. Help me get over all of my stuff. Help me to be one that will endure whatever I've got to endure for the sake of the lost, just as Jesus endured what he had to do, which is far worse than anything you and I face, for the sake of the lost. And here's the fourth question. Lord, open the door for me to invite them and share your word. Open the door. Give me just the the right opportunity to say to them, come and be a part of God's house that day. See, here's the message of the church. Here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel, friend, is that you are a living soul. My mom stands at a point in time today where we don't know what the next few weeks will hold. And here's the truth. So do all of us. So do every one of us in this room. It may be a little more obvious with her circumstances. But the reality is, is the day's coming when all of us are going to go from this earth. And God says, listen, when you die, it's not over. That's not the end. That's when you come and stand before me. That's when you come and stand before me. And every one of you are going to do that. Every one of us in this room are going to someday step away from this earth and our spirit is going to go stand before a living God. And in that moment, books are going to be open. One key book is going to be open, the book of life. And either my name's in that book and I am saved and with God for eternity or I have wasted my life I have turned my life from God. I've lived in rebellion to God, either overtly or just passively. But I've never asked Christ into my life. I've never surrendered my life to him. And in that moment, I'll be separated from you for eternity. What matters? What matters? And that's why Jesus came, the author and the perfecter of our faith who went to the cross and paid the price that I could never pay on my own. I could never fix it on my own. I could never make it right on my own. I was too far trapped in sin, and so are you, to get myself free. But Jesus, the perfect one, came and gave himself on the cross, died on the cross, so that you and I would never have to face the second death and be separated from God for all eternity. But thank God on the third day that while he was in the grave, breath came, to his, came into his body and he said, you have no grip on me. And because of that, friend, death can have no grip on you if you'll stand in faith with Jesus in your life. The only way to heaven, the only way to eternal life is through Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, I I pray for every Christian in this place that, Father, any sin... Anywhere where we're living life our way that holds us back from the course of life you'd have for us. Let us see it, recognize it, know, know what it is, 
And Lord, let it come under the freedom, us to be free from it by the power of the resurrection. Father, let us see any weight, anything where we're giving our time and our effort and our talents to those things that don't matter and they're holding us back from being fully yours. I pray that this week during our appointment with you, that Father, you would speak to us in loving and patient ways and call us fully to you. Lord, I pray for every believer in this room that even right now and in the moments in the next day or so, you would lay at least three names on our heart. People that you love, people that you put us in their life to be your voice. And Lord, as we pray for them, as we pray for ourselves, let the power of your spirit enter in to this relationship and let them be drawn to you. Now, Lord, I don't know the condition of every heart in this room. You do. And Father, I pray for every believer today that their faith in you would be strong. But Father, for anyone today who's never taken that step to ask you to be the Lord and the Savior of their life, that this morning, right now, they would do that very thing. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come down to the front today, and I'm going to ask uh, all the fleeners to go down to the far end down there. Can you guys do that? In just a moment, we're going to uh, give all of you a chance to come down and, and go through somebody pray with you. Maybe you're facing things like our family's facing today. But we just need the peace and the direction of God. Maybe you're going through a health issue where you need the touch of God. I am so grateful that he's with us, aren't you? Don't leave here without somebody letting somebody pray for you. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. But today, maybe you're here without having ever asked Christ into your life or you've wandered from him. And today, you'd like to ask Christ to be the Savior. You felt the tug on your spirit, the reality of who Jesus is. You'd like to ask him to come into your life today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anyone here today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me today. I'm giving you just a moment. Father, we're thankful for your goodness to us. You know the condition of every heart. I pray if there's anyone here whose heart's not right with you, you would not let them have peace, but you'd let them sense the convicting power of your spirit that would bring eternal peace. Better to be troubled today than to be troubled for eternity. So speak to us. Speak to every heart. Let us know how much you love us and how much we love you. Be upon us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to sing this song. If you want prayer, come on down. If you're not sure of your salvation, this happens almost every week. If you're not sure of your salvation, if you didn't raise your hand, go down and see the fleeners down there on the far end. They're going to talk to you. They're going to pray with you. Before you leave here, you can be certain you're right with God. Amen? I love you. Let's do what matters. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Let's sing together.